Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website at carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that Apple, Spotify, Acast. Today, I'm speaking to Claude O'Reilly, who is an expert in social enterprise, about her career journey to date, but particularly about how social enterprises can scale up. So you're very welcome, Claude. Maybe just you might introduce yourself and just give us a sense of the career and the interesting career you've had to date. Sure, yeah. Thanks so much for having me here, Dermot. I always feel a bit funny when people ask me that question, because when I talk about my career, it sounds like it's been a very well thought out, planned trajectory when that's far from the truth. But I'll give you a few key points I suppose. I started out when I left school I did a degree in arts in French and classic civilization in Galway and I really had no idea what I wanted to do and so when I finished that I traveled for a couple of years and was doing all sorts of things and I decided then around 23 I was like gosh I better do something I can't get away with this for too long and I went into a recruitment consultant and they said we have a job you have to be training as an accountant And that's as much thought as I ever put into becoming an accountant. I said, fine, great, I'll do it. And so I trained as a CPA accountant with Roach's Stores. And when they sold to Debenhams, I then took that opportunity and moved to Canada and moved to to Vancouver. And I was temping jobs and I happened upon a job in the Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation. I was just temping, got a temp job in there. And that really was a trajectory that changed my life I suppose sadly I lost my own mum to breast cancer when I was very young and so the idea that I could be doing some impact work and, and really I felt like from my little desk that I was doing finance work that I was changing the world and that I was you know stopping someone else's mum from dying from breast cancer and so that really opened my eyes to a, a different way for my career ultimately I, I moved back to Ireland then after a couple of years and worked in international development and I worked in a community development organization called Solace Project in Dublin 8 and they had started uh, we started a, a social enterprise we didn't even really know what a social enterprise was I had vaguely heard of it but that really was a light bulb moment for me so the idea that you could combine business business skills and charity work like working in charities is very difficult raising the funds is always very difficult and so the idea of bringing a business model to charity work you know was really an eye-opener for me and so I went on then to be the CEO of Recreate Ireland for a couple of years and at that time I realized actually it's so difficult for social enterprises to scale it's really really difficult there's lots of barriers in the way I felt like we didn't understand it properly and so I hadn't thought too much about doing a PhD but ultimately a a PhD advertisement came across my desk and recreate and all of a sudden I was like that's that's what I should be doing so I'm now three years into a PhD uh, focusing on the scaling of social enterprise so that's a broad sweep of what I've done very very interesting as you say Lots of careers take unusual turns, as I say, unplanned turns, and you don't know where you end up. And I think part of that thing is being being flexible and being open, and you know what the challenge can bring. So you're in the whole world of social enterprise now, um, and there are different definitions or models for social enterprise. Some some people get confused, but for your perspective, what is a social enterprise? 
Yeah, so for me, it's using a trading model to create social impact. So it's an organization that is a business. It's buying a product or a service or selling a product or a service. And it's creating social impact as it does that. So it's equally as important. So I think it'd be naive to say that a lot of businesses are only solely after profit. You know, I don't think anybody believes that. There's a lot of commercial organizations that are doing great things. Um, but for a social enterprise, they are as interested and it's more important to be creating social impact than it is to be creating profit. I think we're at an interesting space because there is a definition. There is, you know, there's a policy uh, from the Department of Rural Community Development. And I find it interesting that still people don't agree with that that definition I would broadly agree with the department's definition um, of what what a social enterprise is but I think really it's it's the trading element and, and that's what sometimes people can feel a bit confused about that they're like oh well if you're if you're selling something then you're commercial you're making a profit but really it's all about cre- making sure that you're creating a social impact as you create a profit so that linking between you're trading but you're also looking primarily driven by creating a social impact yes is, yeah is the driver and I know because it is it is in a sector we find it very difficult to put labels on what what are we are, are, we are. so yeah. you know are we social purpose organizations are we non-profit are we charities are we voluntary it is one of the difficult I think people should sort of not get too hung up on definitions and yeah. say well what are you about and what are you trying to do as an organization and Ireland has seen quite a bit of change in the whole social enterprise environment how do we compare with our peers internationally as as a place for social enterprises are are coming on stream and thriving or not yeah, so thriving I, mean, I think over the last five years there's been a phenomenal change in Ireland around social enterprise you know having the policy making people more aware of it that's been incredible I think we've a really long way to go still and we're only getting you know we get very tied down in in definitions and who we are and what you're not and all that kind of stuff but ultimately I I think that social enterprise is starting to make a real impact in Ireland when you look of course when you look around globally places like Canada and Australia are are really streets ahead in Europe I would say we're middling you know we're, we're doing well there's a lot of countries that I think are doing it really well. So I think France have a really good model. They kind of look at a broader social economy model um, as opposed to, you know, in Ireland we tend to look at charities and we look at social enterprise and, and then we look at co-ops kind of and we're all navigating for this space whereas in France they look at a broader social economy model and also Denmark I mean of course you know Scandinavia they always do great things and so Denmark have a really really good model and they're kind of comparable to us in in terms of population size so I think there's a lot that we could learn from them I also love I'm really interested in what South Korea are doing they have a really interesting model where they have a, a very defined register for social enterprises and and um, it's very parametered I always think the, the accountant in me likes quite parametered things and um, so really interested in what they're doing because it's so different and uh, um, but in many ways you, you can compare to it so I don't think Ireland should be looking to copy anyone. We are our own place. We have our own quirks. Um, but I think there's a lot that we can take like best practice in terms of what they're doing in Canada around public procurement. Particularly, I'd be interested in British Columbia, I suppose, having spent a bit of time there in, in what they're doing. And I think there's a lot that we can, we can learn. But I mean, I'm proud of where we are and where we've come over the last couple of years. But I think there's you know, lots of work to, to be done. I'd agree. Um, I remember a few years back seeing some table where there was a ranking of social enterprises and Ireland was at the foot of that table. So there has been a sort of transformation um, in recent times. Even people are more willing to call themselves social enterprises than would have or understand, well, we are a social enterprise. We should be proud to say we're a social enterprise. Uh, And I think that 
that is helpful. For you, what have been the biggest shifts and changes that has created a more positive environment for social enterprise? Um, I think things like the policy has been really, you know, something to stand over, to be like, we we are something. I think for many years, social enterprise existed, but people didn't really know they were a social enterprise or they were reluctant to call it. And now there's a name for it and there's a plan. And, you know, there was certain markers within the social enterprise policy that, that really helped. I think there's been much more interest in social enterprise from the general public. I think, you know, the tides have changed in that people's interest in terms of sustainability and being good citizens of the world means that the general public want to spend their money where it's meaningful. And so therefore social enterprises can can fit that purpose. And people are choosing a career in social enterprise. They're choosing an an impactful career as opposed to, you know, I'm an accountant. I could have chosen a career in in Grand Thornton or, you know, in another commercial organization, but I wanted to create a, a social impact. And so I think that's happening more and more that people are like, there's more I want to be part of changing the world and we're in a difficult spot in terms of sustainability and so in climate change and we need to make differences and so I think we there's been a lot of changes over the last couple of years um, in building the profile of social enterprises that people start to know what a social enterprise is. Yeah no I think it's important and and I I would echo the point about having a policy because I do remember a time when it was like past the parcel where no department, government department, wanted to take the social enterprise brief, and that has shifted. There's been a shift where there is now a, there's a clear home and, a, and and civil servants and ministers that really get what social enterprise is and what the potential of it. So that has helped. Also, there has been a sort of a change to, in third level education. You see more and more programs or modules on social enterprises that creating that greater awareness. Is that catering for, the, as you said, this new interest among some of the newer generations that want more purpose in their lives or be driven by having a social purpose in what they do? Yeah, I think ultimately, I think every business is going to morph towards the middle. I don't think you can get away with being a purely commercial organization anymore. And I, I think there's very few commercial organizations that would think that, you know, that we can transact in the world without a care about how we fit into things. And so I think there's been a huge grow in the likes of corps and that's kind of just over the commercial side to, to social enterprises and so I think naturally that means that there's a growing interest in young people I think there's a lot of challenges with that in terms of the amount of pay that you might receive working in a social enterprise and all that kind of stuff but largely people are now choosing I want to create a career that has social impact and so they're then putting pressure on their employers to stand up and and make an impact somewhere and so people are are choosing in the commercial world they're still choosing you know to work in places that are creating a social impact but more so as well I was teaching last year and I couldn't believe how many students were choosing to do a social enterprise model you know when I went to university in Galway it wasn't mentioned at all so now people are choosing a lot more to do social enterprise class I think that's a great thing so I think we're going to see a huge change over the next 10 years in terms of the social enterprise market where people are intentionally starting social enterprise. It'll be much more of an option for people starting a business that they want to choose that model to start. Given your own career, as you mentioned, and, and you've spent a lot of time in the whole world of social enterprises and now doing your PhD, but also as a, as a provider of consulting and advice support, you must come up with some really amazing social enterprises and I know it's difficult to pick out a few which of your who are your favorite children type question but but can you give me some examples of some really amazing work that's gone out there 
Well, I suppose without picking favourites, like picking my favourite child, but I suppose I'd have to mention I am involved in a couple of organisations. So I'm a board member with Quality Matters and they do great work. They have a social enterprise called We Make Good and they recently ran a campaign around T-shirts, raising the profile of refugees being welcome. But more than just the T-shirts, they raise a narrative around, you know, it's not a black and white, it's a black and white T-shirt, not a black and white matter. And I thought that was very, very clever, you know. I'm also involved with Grow Remote and another organisation called Gurham. But aside from the ones that I'm involved in, there's a social enterprise called Awaken Hub, which I think is brilliant. They are helping female founders. So, you know, the, the roadblocks for female founders, be they commercial or social enterprise, is, is much more challenging uh, than our male counterparts. And that's been proven. And so um, Awaken Hub do a lot of work in building confidence with women, you know, opening the road introductions all that kind of stuff I think that's really really good I also have great admiration for my mind you know obviously everyone knows we have a huge mental health challenge and I think my mind are really paving the way of making mental health supports accessible and affordable for everybody as they should be so they're doing incredible things and then I also love um, Together Academy who they have their first cafe in Wanderers and they provide employment for adults with Down syndrome and they're now opening a second one, I believe, in Dunleary. So we have a huge challenge in this country where people with a disability are either unemployed or underemployed. And so what they're doing in Together Academy, I think, is pretty special. I, I sit on Dublin City Council's sort of Enterprise Grant Committee mm-hmm. and a few of those names have crossed our desk yes. and, and the fantastic, fantastic initiatives. And also, because we, we're... I've spent yesterday and Friday looking at this year's application. High proportion are coming from female in terms of the the, the, the newer ideas because the, the grants tend to be looking at early stage social enterprises. That sort of initial thing, I want to do something, but it's it's tricky, it's hard, yes. and it is very hard, which leads on to my next question from what are those challenges? for? Like Anyone who started up a business, the failure rate stats are horrendous. So but now you're setting up a social enterprise which probably serving a market that a lot of commercialists says this is difficult to serve to make make a go what are those challenges specifically that a social enterprise face yeah I mean that certainly what you're saying there if you were starting up a social enterprise and you're doing your feasibility study a lot of commercial organizations will close the book and be like that'll never work Um, and I guess that's where social enterprises step into that gap and so that's already a challenge for me one of the biggest things is around staffing so attracting staff into the organization and to the social enterprise and retaining them what I've seen is that a lot of staff in social enterprises are quite young and they're doing it for a couple of years then they're like gosh I have to get a house I have to get a you know I've got to get on the road here and so they're forced they might want to stay in the social enterprise but they have to leave because we have this inbuilt mentality that people in social enterprises can't be well paid and that's something that I really really um, would push back against I think measure social enterprises by the social impact they're creating and not by what the staff are being paid so that is a very worrisome thing for me there's enormous potential within social enterprises to solve some of the really complex social issues that we're facing but if we can't get the best talent that's going to be really, really difficult. Things, things like there's a lot of lack of clarity around the definition. You know, you, your first question was, what is the, what do you see as your definition? And we all have our own definition. And I think that can, we spend a lot of airtime, I spend a lot of airtime talking about the legal framework and the definition. You know, what legal framework should it be? Should you be a CLG? Should you be a DAC? You know, I think that can create a lot of challenges. And we don't have clear information around that I don't, or, or clear decisions around that. I think that's really difficult. Um, also, the expertise, when it comes to scaling, I suppose that's what I'm particularly interested in. 
the expertise that's available in terms of scaling a social enterprise. So you, you might get hooked up with a mentor and, and, you know, they can be brilliant, but maybe they're coming from a commercial world and they don't understand that, you know, you're looking at social impact and commercial at the same time. So it's not that you are running a charity and a commercial business in two lanes. I think when you get to scaling, that's very difficult if that's what you're doing. You need to be looking at them both, both of the businesses I suppose at the same time and creating a dual impact of social impact and commercial viable business and so I don't think we have enough expertise in Ireland advising social enterprises at a scaling level. Because there aren't too many scaled social enterprises here so that would you know logically do it. Are there lessons or insights from other countries you mentioned British Columbia what are they doing to help scaling or are there examples of, of models that are helping that stage of where because there's so many things. There's, is, is, there is a social impact you want to do. You want to maximise the social impact. You have more scale, more people you're serving. But the other question, which is, is, is a sector-wide question, is, is pay. Bringing in very talented, enthusiastic young people into the sector is brilliant, but if you can't pay them, to do that, you need to have scale. So what sort of, from your research that you're doing in your PhD, are there... Are there things that you say, look, these are some of the things that are working elsewhere. You know, we've now got to the stage where we are looking at social enterprises need to be thinking scale is something that needs to be clear on your agenda. Yeah, I think um, things like centres of excellence are really good. So when not every social enterprise should will or should be looking at scaling. That's the first thing. But if you do get to that point where you are looking at scaling, um, I think having access to real collaboration, and I don't mean you know doing a programme together with another social enterprise, but meaningful collaboration. Um, if you're you know in a housing or social enterprise and you're growing... There will, you'll come across actually there's challenges around mental health there's challenges around this and you can't be involved in everything and so I think centres of excellence can help bring organisations together to navigate that tricky road when sometimes you need an external person to be like okay this is where we want to go how are we both you know three or four organisations going to come together um, and Scotland have great examples of that where they have centres of excellence and, and they help to navigate or prompt organisations like look there's another organisation over here um, how about you know joining up and we do have examples of that like I know that Rethink and SEI have done that on occasion where they brought a couple of founders together and said you would be better travelling the road together so that's really really good I think in terms of the the pay and the reward we're we're bringing over the challenges of the charity sector that have been inherited and that's been a long long standing conversation and now we're bringing that into the social enterprise sector and, and that's um, I, I think very disappointing I think that we need to look at it as this you know it's an entrepreneur and it's an enterprise it's a subsection of commercial organizations and so almost organizations are afraid to pay they may be able to pay now a lot of social enterprises can't pay but some potentially would would have the capacity to pay but they're afraid of the perception and so I think that's a role the policy have to play we see you know throughout Europe where there's really large organizations social enterprises that are taking on very significant impact investment um, and they are you know they have to bring in top people to be able to to create that social impact so I think that's a barrier that we have to break down um, and I think that the government have a huge role to play in that. There's a few things there, Claudette, you know, that was resonated with me, but that whole thing about collaboration is very, very important in across the whole sector. And I had a previous discussion recently with Pauline McKeown in, in Cool Mine, and the examples they were, because you don't have siloed problems. P- problems that they are dealing with are complex and need a range of solutions, and they may not necessarily be the expert in that so they have developed good um, relations with housing bodies with education and training bodies as well as part of that 
holistic approach. So yeah. I think if you're in like a social impact, it, it, it lends itself. But getting those connections and putting those in place takes time. And I think people underestimate how hard real collaboration is. As I said, you know, project collaboration is brilliant when you're like, we'll come together. And, and we saw that with the Arise funding and um, that lots of organizations came together to deliver programs, which is brilliant. But when you're talking about collaborations that will ultimately end up in mergers, which I think is, is where, or really meaningful shared goals um, I, I think we, we need more expertise in that area. We need financial supports. But also, I think when you choose to work in a social enterprise, you kind of give up financial success in some ways. And so sometimes people can be very tied. And I suppose I've read a lot of research on that on how social entrepreneurs can be very tied to their idea. And so I think we, we need to support how to navigate that to be reaching even better like systemic change and all that kind of stuff. And we are starting to see it, but I, I do think we need help and there needs to be a framework to navigate that taking on that one there in terms of what additional supports would you like to see in place and where is the originator of those supports there's so much that say the public sector the government departments can do but there are there are other things in addition that can be provided to support the sector yeah so i guess i would like to see i mean we've the second policy coming up so i'd like to see a lot of changes within that i think the ecosystem can play a really important role and the ecosystem actors we've had a, a burst of intermediaries over the last couple of years and so i think there needs to be a more coordinated approach between intermediaries and how they're going to deliver supports for social enterprises that are scaling. Um, I think social enterprises that are scaling really need tailored supports. And so you're not going to get, like every one of them is unique and they have unique circumstances. But I think that's really important that they're tailored supports. And I think long-term planning, it doesn't happen overnight. And so often we see funding and, you know, the funding is brilliant that's available, but so often we see it, you know, you've got to apply in six months and it's got to be spent in a year. Whereas if you're scaling and you want to do something transformative, you need a runway of maybe three or four years. Um, and, And so I think we have seen some new entrants in terms of commercial or funding options with Community Finance Ireland and Rethink Ireland recently came out with a new finance model. I think that's great, but I think we need to see more of that, that there's more financing options available. So there's, there's a lot that the ecosystem can do. And if I was to use, you know, the, the Tuckman model of storming, norming, I think we're in the storming phase, probably with social enterprise, that things are changing all the time. But I think it will, it'll settle down into a really good framework. I would love to see, I love the model in commercial organisations that the likes of Dogpatch and Ludgate and all these startup hubs around the country are really bringing people together as a center for training for collaboration and for moral boosts and all that kind of stuff and i would love to see social enterprises kind of following a similar model to that there is one potential one of that there um ice inner city enterprise have got where we've been neighbors of ours in coleraine house they've got a fabulous site to, um, to develop so it'd be interesting to see how that pans out but, yes for sure but it's a big challenge um, as I know you know Ivana no better woman but there is a big challenge to try and create a space taking a shell building and then create a whole support infrastructure around that and, and make it viable that's the other question yes, that yeah. sort of meet the, you, you know they have to wash their face and sometimes that can be a challenge 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think the idea of being able to access shared services is brilliant. You know, when you're scaling, you need marketing expertise, you need pricing expertise. And and to be able to access that, you know, from a shared service where you can get a couple of hours with a couple of experts, you know, what happens quite often is that there's amazing pro bono supports available in Ireland. And and to be fair, commercial organisations are exceptionally generous in providing that. But you'll go to a legal expert and, and then armed with that information, you as a non-legal person will hear that in your own narrative. And then you'll go off to your accountant or you'll go to your marketing person rather than having all those people around the table and say, OK, together, this is what we want to do. Let's all. And, and, and I think things like shared services would really help a lot with that. But funding it. Yeah, that's that's a challenge. You mentioned that the next update of the, the policy is due out soon. Um, and I'm sure you, you've had some key inputs or key views on it. But from what would you like to see happening in the new policy? What what would be different? Because the first one was sort of foundational in terms of this was the first coherent policy that we had really in mm-hmm. Ireland. Now, this is learning from what that policy and, and, and tested out a few things. What yeah. sort of things would you like the new policy to address? Or are there a particular area to say, I'd like to see this in the policy. I hope it's going to be there. Yeah, I'd like to see it built upon. You know, I think it's amazing to have a policy. And I was so excited when it, when it came out. Uh, just to have that piece of paper to help, uh, you know, kind of a North Star nearly. Uh, so building on that, I think the definition probably needs tweaking. There's lots of different social enterprises. There's about five different types. So you've got WISES and, uh, you know, environmental impact organizations. I think we need to name that because bringing everybody in together can create challenges. Um, So I, I think a little bit more definition around the definition would be really helpful. I was delighted to see that DRCD and Rethink commissioned a piece of research into the legal framework. Um, and, and that was a great report, but it doesn't seem to have gone anywhere or made any significant impact. And so I would like to see the policy clarify a little bit more around that. And then also taking a long-term approach. A lot of the measures that are in the policy can be quite short-term. Um, so it's a, a piece of funding you know, that, that comes out. But looking at it long term, so how do we take a long term scaled approach or approach to scaling um, and putting in some measures within that? Um, I think that would be great. And bringing more government departments around the table so they have a vested interest within social enterprise. I think there's still a little bit more to, to close that loop around different government departments having silos. Or a view that these are not real businesses or. Yes. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the chart. Because I, I do, in the coach, come across a lot of people that are involved in social enterprise or are thinking of social enterprise. And I'd say, well, can you plan yourself 10 years forward? There is a tendency to try to push them down into the charity model for a lot of social enterprise is not suitable. And particularly for that founder, driver, the passionate person wants to make a change in social impact. The charity model is the, the worst thing that could happen to them in terms of their, that, those early stages of development. Is there any movement at all in, in, in terms of providing a more amenable model or is it that you stick to DAC or CLG? Yeah, I mean, even with that, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it is challenging when you're starting out. Like, so I know when, you, when you're looking for that startup funding, it is balanced towards CLGs. Um, and I have a real issue with that. Um, you know, I, I think we shouldn't be pushing towards legal legal frameworks. It should be pushing towards the so- social impact. 
And and so I don't see, unfortunately, a huge movement towards that by the ecosystem. But I do see social enterprises working around it and just be like, look, at, I'll set up a chargeable arm and I'll set up a DAC so that I can get impact investment. And, and I think that's very dangerous spot for us to be in where social enterprises are self-organizing in a kind of an ad hoc way. I think that will grow us into difficulties. And so I, I understand that it's difficult to make decisions around things, but we need to have a legal framework that caters for all types of social enterprises and even you know I I get lots of social enterprises asking me for advice around around things and they're saying oh we've been told we have to be a CLG or we've been told that a director of a CLG can't be paid I'm like that's not true only if you're a charity and so there's a lot of misinformation out there and um, so we need to clarify that I think yeah and uh, I think some of well, let's say statutory funders like the comfort of having a regulated charity. So, well, there's a regulator. If something goes wrong, they can investigate. Course, so, yeah. And that is pushing people down in all walks, not necessarily in social enterprise, mm-hmm. into the charitable model, which sometimes is not the right model for them. Yeah. Um, and it can, can be difficult for them to sort of move on. Just as a, as a final question, as one of my, my magic wand question I ask my, all my guests is, if you had that magic wand, what would be your top three wishes for the social enterprise sector in five years' time? Well, um, I would love to see a dedicated minister for social enterprise. I think that would really put us on the map and, and build, bring us up the pecking order um, so that the door is open to Enterprise Ireland and to all the Leos and all that kind of stuff. So I would really like to see a dedicated um, minister for social enterprise. And I think that will happen in the next couple of years. Um, I'd like to see a coordinated long-term approach um, for, for a media campaign. So a lot of people don't know what social enterprises are. They don't really understand what it is. Um, Donal from Community Finance Ireland said to me one time, it'd be great to have a nationwide for social enterprises. And I thought that was such a great idea. You know, an ongoing program that's on TV that's building the profile of social enterprises. And we have seen, you know, SEI did a great docuseries, but I'd like to see a dedicated space where every week it's, you know, maybe not on RTE, but on, on wherever, and that it's in the public domain and we're building, long-term building that public perception, because I think that's a real big challenge. And um, and I would also like to see long-term supports. I suppose I've, I've talked a good bit about that, but seeing taking a long-term approach that these supports, we're going to, you know, a, a social enterprise that has potential, let's back them for a couple of years. Um, and, and that there's a smaller market in Ireland. You know, we're not the UK. You know, we're a reasonably small population. And so that means that we should have solved some of the social issues by now. You know, they're not, they're not unsolvable. And so I think we really... And, and I think that social enterprises have the potential to solve them. And so I think that taking that long-term approach um, and taking more risks maybe in terms of funding and not being so focused on outputs, uh, more focused on long-term outcomes. I'd like to see that approach taken by, uh, by funders. Excellent. Claude, it's been fascinating. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating, as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts. So until the next time, Slán Gafol. Mm-hmm.